my friends who listen to Future Primitive. I'm uh, connected on Skype today with Harry Alto. He has written a book called The Landscape of Enlightenment with doors and windows to our world. And he's preparing to publish another book called How Much Enlightenment is Enough? Understanding Higher States of Consciousness. So, Harry, if you want to say um, more, I I would like you to say more about you being an artist and your career as an artist. Sure. You know, it's interesting, you know, before I... uh, pursued anything about consciousness of course I was I was a full-time artist and I um, I displayed in galleries in Toronto and Toronto uh, Canada and you know I'm in private collections and some public collections as well and I won awards and this and that and you know and I did that for many years as an artist and uh, there are some um, pictures of my work on my blogs and so forth and you know I at one point, you know, I got a family, and so I said, well, you know, maybe I have to earn some more money. So so I went into business, and I found a business that is kind of a design business where I do stuff, and I did that for many, many years, and I'm still doing it. I'm designing for um, Alto Design, it's called. And um, so, you know, as an artist, when I first started, you know, I've always had sort of inner experiences, and I was always fascinated by what's the connection, you know, what's the connection between my inside and my outside? There didn't seem to be much of a connection at first, except I started expressing um, what I felt inside with my art. And, and, and I started thinking about that whole process, the inside, the outside, the environment, consciousness and so forth. And I started, I don't know, maybe this attention, uh, to the inside experience and the, the connectedness with the environment and all that um, started a process going where I started having experiences. And, and at one point, I um, I don't know, I remember as a young man, I had this experience. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly you know, there had been nothing in my consciousness other than what I saw in the environment. And suddenly there was this big and sort of what almost unbounded light and and it didn't turn off it just went turned on suddenly out of nowhere and um you know i felt kind of separate from that but it was there all the time and and um this kind of inner consciousness um as i kept looking at it uh, i started seeing uh activity there or uh, reverberation or shimmer or whatever got lively and I started seeing things and I started trying to paint and draw and sculpt this inner world that was 
kind of rapidly developing. You know, this was in my 20s and 30s. Mm. And um, and then, you know, it just kept going on from there. And, and so I got I got even more fascinated with my experience than art. And, uh, you know, and I started talking to other people about it. And, and most of them said, what the heck is that? <laughs> and uh, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip into the present now for a moment. You know, it's in the last five or six years, I'm meeting more and more people who are having similar experience or close to similar experiences. And, and it's a fascinating process that everybody has consciousness. Everybody has some consciousness. And, you know, at, at some point that inner consciousness becomes bright enough or known enough that you become aware of it. Everybody will sooner or later become aware of their own consciousness and, and, and start looking for answers to kind of, you know, all the questions we want answered. Why are we here? Where are we going? What can we have? Can we be happy? Why aren't we happy? And, you know, stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. So I would like to ask to begin with what has been the influence of TM and the language of TM, and how much has that influenced okay. the way you describe what you say? You say, describing my own life story in a way that is inspiring to me. So how much has that TM influenced your describing of your story? Well, you know, I make a conscious effort not to use the words of the TM organization. Now, having said that, I'm not saying it didn't have a profound effect on me, but my experience is my experience and your experience would be your experience. And I use my own words. You know, everybody, you can't, you know, you can't totally divorce yourself from, um, you know, the knowledge that you might have gained through TM, but you know, when I have a, an experience, I just use my own words. I don't use the TM uh, vernacular, if that's the right word. However, they're very similar. And anybody, you know, let's say the TM organization has some real knowledge, then somebody goes and has some experiences, even if they're using their own words, right? They'll be similar somehow, <laughs> whether you're from China or USA or South America. The Inner experience has similarities. Consciousness is, you know, in the same way we all look. We have two eyes, two ears, and we have a similar looking body. Consciousness itself has qualities um, that are similar, right? Right. Right. But it would seem... Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. But it would seem to me, in in my own experience that the experience of the, of the mystery is so amazing and so unique um, that, for instance, I understand describing it in uh, the language of art. I understand describing it in the language of music, but in the language of words, it would seem to me that we would need to invent a whole new a whole new language so there wouldn't be association to what has been said before 
That's a very interesting point you make. Um, you, you know, mankind has existed for uh, what? Thousands and thousands of years, indigenous races, uh, India, China, and they all have their um, way of describing. You know, there are people in all these cultures who went after consciousness, wanted to know what it is and started describing it. Right. And they described it in the words of this country or that country. So, whereas I agree with you 100%, um, this is a new age. This is a new you know, everybody's different now than they were 50 years ago, 100 years ago. So the language of even inner experience or deep inner experience, the mysteries of experience have to be described in a way that is understood today. <laughs> we, have, we have English has changed and everything else. So I agree with you. But I also agree that there were, you know, sages and teachers and gurus and whatever who were went after the same knowledge that is available now uh, in ancient times. And they use their own words yeah. uh, in a different way than we use words now. So, yes, we will in invent our own words or use our own poetry or our yes. own uh, nice way of describing it. <laughs> I'm, I would like you to, to go deep and tell me why you think your experience is important to share with people. Your, your experience of... I personally, I'm, I'm not terribly attracted by the word enlightenment. I'm more... It fits more for me to say an experience of the whole or something like that. So tell me what it is that you want to convey so deeply with your words. Yes, let me backtrack, you know. Okay. Even though, I was, uh, even though I was a young child when I moved to North America, Canada, and then to the USA, you know, I, I was born in Finland. <laughs> right, right. You know, Finnish people have racial characteristics. You know, they're usually reticent to be go public about their personal lives or talk about things, very personal, deep things like love and stuff. Finnish joke, you know, that says something like there, there was once a Finnish man who loved his wife so much that he almost told her. <laughs> right, and, right. You know, things like that. So, and then, you know, so for years and years, I had all this experience, personal experience, and it kept growing and growing. And, it, and there were periods in my life when my inner experience got overwhelmingly beautiful and expanded and all that. And the word enlightenment didn't mean then and still doesn't mean anything to me. Any state of consciousness that I, let's say, I so-called gained, the minute I gained it, there was no uh, enlightenment to it. There was just a normal state, even though it was beautiful, this and that. My life went on, you know, I worked, okay. I had a family, I looked after it, I did this, I did that, just like everybody else. 
And along with that came this inner experience. Would I call it enlightenment? No, I wouldn't call it enlightenment. I'd call it something even more normal than something that I had prior to that experience, more natural, more connected. And I agree with you, this word enlightenment is not a good word, you know. So if you try to find other words for it, mm-hmm. it's hard to find other words because I did go through states of uh, awareness or states of consciousness that were distinctly and permanently different than I had before. And the TM organization has words for those states. And I'm not going to go into those deeply, but, and so do other um, systems of self-development. They have names for these states. Um, how do you avoid them? Well, maybe, maybe you just don't talk about them. You know, I went through, I went through one state of um, awakening, let's call that, that's, you know, that had the, had this and still has this extremely unified quality to where the inside experience and the outside experience are known to be one and the same continuum. And it's a very strong sense. It's not something I had as a, a years ago. It's something that I have now. What state of consciousness is that? Don't know. It's just there. It's natural. I have it. It's it's uh, it has a lively quality of sort of what contentment, integration, happiness, even, but very quiet. It's always there, night and day. Now, what is that? Who knows? <laughs> All I know is that these states keep changing, growing, getting better, fuller, richer. And I think every human being has this state of self-awareness, has this state of, uh, you know, uh, to some degree, there's self-awareness in everybody, whether it's 5%, 10%, 20%. At what point does it become a fuller state that's permanent? Don't know. Maybe... <laughs> Don't really know. But I do know that my experiences have, has been that I've gone through very distinct and precise states of awareness that are like they're openings up of consciousness. You know, it's like a door opens or a light suddenly floods into the house, you know, and you can see outside the house or see outside the body. So even the senses start seeing this stuff, start seeing consciousness itself. And how do you describe that? Well, I started describing these experiences maybe eight or nine years ago to people. And at first, I didn't, nobody knew what I was talking about or, or they glimpsed it, but, you know, they liked it. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I, I started discovering um, friends, relatives, acquaintances. I, I started a blog and, you know, <laughs> this kind of stuff. And people started writing me or calling me or wanting to meet with me locally. And they started having, or, or they were in the process having similar experiences to me, awakenings, uh, this and that. And, um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to mention any names, but I had this, you know, I was talking to this one lady yesterday or the day before. She's not a TMer, she's not a meditator, 
but she says exquisite experiences of self-awareness. And they, and they just rose in the last year and they're kind of exploding in her life. She had a tough life, not an easy life. She, she was quite miserable from half of her life. And then what, about a year ago, something happened. You know, I'm not saying I was responsible for it, but we certainly talked about these things. And uh, suddenly this lady is, is, is having these very divine experiences. And, you know, I think the... I think experiences of inner happiness and inner expansion can be had by anybody who begins to want it, search for it, and pay some attention to these natural experiences that exist in the human consciousness. So I started sharing my experiences more and more. I think that's a great contribution, especially, well, at all times, really. So... Let's um, let's talk about uh, what you call the environment and me. Okay. And you say our relationship with nature is intimate and vital. And I'd like you to expand on that relationship. Okay, you know, if you... If you think of the environment sort of intellectually for a moment and and you know you're walking outside you're walking through space but this space is full of oxygen that you breathe you're walking on the earth that grows the food that you eat that you know and and the whole it can be raining outside and all these elements of nature or these um aspects of nature you you naturally use them they make your body they make your mind they you know they constitute the entire physiology and as a consequence they constitute your mind and your heart now that relationship of the outside with the inside is what i'm talking about when i talk about opening states of the mind or opening states of the heart or opening states of understanding all of these openings, let's call them, or realizations, uh, have certainly for me personally brought me closer and closer to nature, closer and closer to how nature functions is how human consciousness functions or my consciousness functions. And as my, what, how to say, if my, as I became aware of or understood how, how I'm connected to the environment, I started seeing that connection, literally. For instance, outside my studio window here, there's <laughs> kind of funny, there's some aspen trees. And, and you know, I look at these aspen trees and the, and the leaves are fluttering, but they're like the flutterings of my own consciousness. But it's subtle. It's quiet. It's not disruptive of my talk to you, for instance, or anything else. It's just that there's this, what, intimate connection growing with the environment, <laughs> you know, the, envi- the environment is under attack these a little bit these days and has been for decades, you know. But, you know, I don't look at that aspect so much. I look at this, the possibility of the growth of the unity of the outside with the inside, how the environment and, the, and the, these aspects of nature affect the body and how I affect the environment. Um, my experience has grown to, it's not just my, 
my immediate environment that I feel unified with. I, you know, my mind some years ago started thinking, where do all these uh, aspects of nature like light and 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 uh, the wind and what, where do they come from? Well, they're connected to cosmic events, the sun, the moon, planets. Um, so there was this growth in me of understanding and experience that the environment isn't just a little thing, neither is consciousness. They're, they kind of pulse in the same way, as it were. And this relationship that a human being can have with nature, with the, with the environment, is extremely intimate. It's an extremely personal and extremely beautiful. How would you speak about, I mean, there are, you call it harmful experiences. There are many harmful and painful experiencing experiences in life. That's right. How do you face those experiences and how do they contribute, take away or unite with your experience of total awareness. You know, I completely agree with you that, you know, everybody tends to have a struggle. I've had struggles, everybody's had struggles, you know, and if there are processes or techniques or knowledge that can help people overcome those um, processes, those those challenges, those bad times, let's call them, then I guess I came to the conclusion years ago that then I want to pay attention to those things that help those things go away. You know, the world has billions of people, <laughs> well, that's an exaggeration, but many, many people, psychiatrists, psychologists, all kinds of um, people who uh, concentrate on helping the problems go away and they, they kind of, of course they help, but they're kind of mostly looking at the problems. I've never found that effective, at least for me. What I felt, if I can, you know, if I can talk to a person about my experience and they have any kind of relation to that experience or, or they've had experience of a similar nature and we look into that deeply, um, we find that, yes, there's problems, but let's look at this part of your life. And you look at that part and it's almost like you, I don't know, it sounds corny, but almost like you turn a light on when you start looking at the, at the, uh, at these more quiet areas, these subtle areas of your own consciousness, it's almost a light spreads a little bit and maybe pushes some of the darker areas off to the side. Like this lady that I was talking to you about, when I first, I didn't talk to her that much six months ago and she was, she seemed to be in, you know, really pretty bad state. And uh, she says, what can I do? And, and I said, well, do you have any other kind of, and she said, yeah, yeah, I got, I got some kind of inner light going on. I got something on this. Well, let's look at that for a while. And we started talking about that and thinking about, and, you know, <laughs> and, and it literally, uh, you know, here again, I'm not taking credit for this because it's her experience, not mine. I'm just kind of like helping out a little bit. So we talked about it and suddenly this something grew in her and almost pushed her problems aside. But they don't go away. They just 
they become in relation to um, an expanded consciousness. So, you know, the way I look at it, if somebody, um, you know, somebody has um, physical pain or something, okay, but they meditate or they do prayer or they somehow they manage and their consciousness in spite of that pain expands, then that pain is in relation to a, a bigger consciousness, a bigger fullness. Maybe the pain is the same intensity, except the consciousness is bigger, the consciousness is clear. So happiness is a little, uh, what, expanded? Understanding is a little deeper. So these, these other aspects of life that aren't so pleasant, I'd, have, I'd say they as if moved to the side a little bit. That's how I look at it. Harry, every, everything and everyone wants to be loved. So if you found love, like you describe, and you're connected to the source of love, most everything, will, everything and everyone will respond, wouldn't you say? Yes. You know, I've always, you know, I used to find it a lot harder to talk about love because it's kind of like you bring something as delicate as that to the light of day. You know, what? Words sometimes fail you, you know, and, and you kind of, you're sharing something so intimate with people you hardly know, right? Yet, I've come to the conclusion over the years, you know, if you use the word, you don't like the word enlightenment or self-awareness or pure consciousness, you could just as well use, you substitute all that for pure love, use the word love for all of it, um, you know, and love and happiness, and of course everybody wants to be happy, everybody, I don't care how bad you are, you're looking for fulfillment, you know, maybe you're looking at, looking for it in the wrong way, right, so you, so you get pain back from the environment, but if you, but everybody wants to be, what? Happy and Loved. happiness is just a, another. Every everything and in some ways, I've been fortunate in my life because you know, uh, you know, I got married, you know, uh, practically a teenager, <laughs> mm. and and uh, we're still married and all that, and you know, my love over the years. You know, you know, we we had a tumultuous start like everybody does. You know, you get married to somebody you hardly know, you know, and you go through some years of this and that. And then, you know, you, you go through it and you and and some little shine, you know, you love this person, but you don't know why. And then, you know, and it grows and it grows and it gets bigger and bigger. And consciousness itself is nothing but a kind of a silent field of love anyway, when you when you actually look at it and experience it. When I say silent, I mean, it, it's just there. Now, if you can find ways to, uh, that it can bubble up and, and, and you, through your attention or techniques that you have, uh, this universal love that, uh, how to say that, you know, consciousness, the universe has a consciousness, uh, the cosmos has a consciousness, the earth has a consciousness, and all of those consciousnesses are no different than your consciousness. And all of them have a great desire to be unified, great desire to love each other. 
the environment, <laughs> you know, it's kind of corny to talk about the environment as a field of love, but in a sense, think about it. You know, all this stuff, all this bounty that nature gives you, free. You just have to take it in. You get eat beautiful food. You walk through beautiful nature. There's no price for that. <laughs> you just get it. You could call that an, an influx of love coming from the environment to support you. So, you know, we should really give it back in the same way. And people, you know, our families and our wives, our children, you know, they give us the opportunity to use this universal experience of love and in a concentrated way, in, in a more, in a very personal way that uh, that can, that can uh, sparkle up or bubble up uh, here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> so uh, what is the full range of uh, the senses if uh, the senses mm. are not just physical? The senses are very interesting things, you know, for most people, and it wasn't any different for me, you know, the senses tend to overpower or hide the uh, experience of self-awareness. Self-awareness is so quiet, you, you know, most people run through life, they see this, they run after that, and boom, 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 boom. Now, with a little bit of development and a little bit of uh, knowledge, this experience of being overshadowed by the senses or sensory experience can kind of turn around. It's not that anything happens to the sensory experience. It's just that the self, you begin to know who is having the experience of the senses, who's seeing that sight, who is being, who is hearing that sound, who is touching that object. Um, you begin to, when you begin to understand that there's a knower to that experience, an I to that experience, a self to that experience, it becomes very enjoyable, very beautiful, in a quiet way again. And rather than upsetting the flow of the senses, sight, hearing, and so forth, there's the self starts enjoying it. Now, and it doesn't have to always be a beautiful experience, but a common experience. It can even be a car going down the road. And, and, and once there's a relationship between the outside and the inside, the environment and your, your own consciousness, and they're seen, seen as kind of one continuum of, of experience, one continuum of unity or love, as you mentioned, um, the enjoyment of your life, which is the information which is coming through your senses into your consciousness becomes greater fuller, richer, brighter, like that. And the senses are, in the end, maybe not at the beginning, because self-awareness at the beginning is abstract and, and maybe not understood so much, but over time, that deep understanding uh, and that deep experience of the self can grow to the extent that even the senses, the sensory experience of daily life becomes part of that continuum of unity or that continuum of oneness of the inside to the outside, like that. Mm -hmm. uh, why do you think so many people have a experience that seems to be rather frozen in uh, a particular set of... Uh, unchanging beliefs? Well, 
that certainly seems to be the experience of <laughs> most of the society, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know. When I was, you know, you know, I watch other people, you know, they, you know, friends of mine as they went through, you know, they were young people and they were energetic, this and that. And then they grew a little older and they became a little rigid, more rigid, this, that and the other thing. I don't think that process has to happen. I think if if people are taught <laughs> or <laughs> meet the right people or go into the you know developing consciousness is something that has to be done. You know, just if you want to become a good cabinet maker, what do you do? You go to school or you go to apprenticeship. You know, you have to learn a skill. You have to you know have to do something. If you want to develop your consciousness, just your consciousness. And, and not a skill. You have to go do something that develops that consciousness. And one, the, the way that consciousness developed for me was a technique, were techniques that came from ancient times. So I assume other people, you can pray or you can do this or you can do that, but you have to do something specific, something subtle for your own consciousness and start looking for it and, and, and uh, developing it, right? I don't know. You know, it's, in, I have this analogy that I sometimes tell people, you know, if you, let's say, you know, you're a 98 pound weakling, let's say I'm talking about a guy or a girl, doesn't make any difference. And, you know, you're tired of being that. So you start lifting a weight, you know, and, and you lift this weight for a year. And, and then one day you discover, you know, you're, you're a pretty strong person. And, you know, you, you walk by this weight that used to be, you couldn't even lift, you lift it with one arm and throw it aside. Now, you always had that potential, but you had to develop it. It didn't, it didn't happen all by itself, you know, and life is like that. If you want to develop your life into a specific uh, way where your consciousness is um, part of the process of anything that you're doing and there's a unity to it, you have to develop that. You have to go for it. You have to do something. What that something else, I'm not necessarily proclaiming one way over the other. I'm just, for me, it was meditation. Meditation opened my mind to many ways. You know, I had these experiences before I started meditating. I didn't, you know, they were already there. Meditation clarified them and expanded them. Now, I assume prayer or other processes and other techniques can do exactly the same thing. So what is your process uh, today? Do you, what, how do you... What is your practice? I still do the TM technique, you know, and, you know, I'm not, am I as regular as I used to be? No, I'm not. In some ways, you know, you, you meditate for a specific goal, right? Can, can you say, describe that? Can you, can you describe the Pardon technique? Me? Can you describe the technique for those who don't know about it? The, the I haven't done that for quite a long time, but yes, I can certainly describe it. There, you know, the TM organization has a technique called TM, right? So it's transcendental meditation. They have specific sounds that are given to uh, beginners who start TM. You go to a, to an intro lecture. You decide if you like what you hear. Then you go to what's called a preparatory lecture, and that kind of um, t 
tells you more detail what this whole transcendental meditation is about and how it works. And if you decide that, okay, this is for me, and you start, you want to start TM, they give you a technique. There's some, there's a ritual involved, and there's an understanding involved, and a ceremony involved, and you get what's called mantras, and you do this, or specific sounds, and you get these sounds, and you use these sounds in specific ways that have come on from way back when, um, and you use these sounds to transcend, to go to subtle and subtler areas of the mind and the heart. And most people do have this experience of transcending to these levels. Now, then you do this technique for whatever, and um, the idea is that you, um, the quiet levels of the mind that you um, transcend to begin to grow, begin to grow, 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 until the quiet levels of the mind come, become even the surface levels of the mind. So, like that. Ah, so, so that's what you did for a long time. That's exactly right. right. That's what I did. Uh, for what's long. your process today? What is, uh, what is your practice today? There's, okay, there's, there's the TM technique and then there's, they also, the TM organization also has advanced techniques and other techniques that uh, you do this for X number of time, then you can start this and this, this, but you know, the purpose of all techniques, all prayer, all processes is to learn something, get somewhere, um, gain whatever it is you're going towards. Let's say, for instance, that a person gains some of these things or all of these things that these techniques were meant to produce, then the techniques are still there and they're enjoyable, but are they as, um, you've gained the result of many of those techniques. You pick like, like this, if you want to become a cabinet maker and you go to school to become a cabinet maker, now, now you're a cabinet maker. You're no longer learning from somebody to become a cabinet maker. You are a cabinet maker. So yeah, I do these techniques. I enjoy them. And, but they don't have the same, let's say the seeker value. <laughs> I need more. I want to. I want to wake up. I want more happiness. The, the anxiety of all that is gone. There's enough of it there <laughs> right. to uh, satisfy me. Right. Right. Like that. Right. Right. So, is there a point at in this in this growing technique where you know that you're enlightened? <laughs> um, well, you use that word, not me. <laughs> no, you used them on the covers of your books. Well, it is. Yeah, both books. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, most decidedly. And, okay, let's... Okay, okay, so let's say, for example, I reached a state of inner wakefulness or enlightenment, okay. okay? I wouldn't look any different to you. I'd still wear the same clothes, talk the same way, but inside, inside, I know 
the experience itself tells you that something significant and expanded and nice has happened to you. You may not want to talk about it. You may not even know how to talk about it, but you know inside something has happened to you that um, that is that is uh, expanded, it's more light, it's more... And you go about your daily business. But yes, you would know. Let's say a person uh, reaches a state where there's this uh, sense of oneness or a sense of unity or a sense of love. You can't, you can't ignore that. You can't, you can't say it's not there because it's there. And you know it's there. It itself, the experience itself. You know, if you have a happy day, you're happy, right? You don't have to be told you're happy. You don't even have to tell yourself you're happy. You just are. So in a state of unified consciousness, you'll know it'll be very distinct and is very distinct. And it, it's not just me. I know <laughs> I know a number of people who gain these states and it's relatively becoming relatively common, at least in my circles. <laughs> However, let me say for me, these states, if they are if they are states, they don't feel like states. They feel like normal states. I started sharing my experience because I couldn't help it. It just happened. And and because, you know, I got something out of it. You know, everybody does. doesn't matter whether your mind is awake or asleep. We all do things for ourselves. So uh, I, I started, I never thought in a million years I would be writing books about this kind of stuff. I thought I'd just, you know, keep it to myself. Uh, stay in my house, never say anything. Well, something inside of me, something inside of what grew, this inner awareness basically dictated to me, hey, share it a little bit. Um, you know, I don't, I, have, I don't, I haven't started any movements and I don't charge any fees. I just talk to people who happen to be interested. That's what I do. Right, right. And, you know, I'm still, I'm still involved in my business. I'm, and I'm involved in writing, I'm actually writing three other books, you know, I've got a poetry book, I've got an art book, and I've got two other books going too. So, we just keep, we keep going, but you know, when I see what, what has happened to me, going from, you know, this state of, you know, what, that wasn't so expanded to what might be considered that way now, and other people I know, friends and acquaintances and family members who benefit from. I'm not, and I'm not so much talking about techniques now. I'm not talking about TM or any other technique. I'm talking about looking into and understanding that there is such a thing as consciousness. There is such a thing as self-awareness, and just understanding it a little bit will expand your consciousness, will put you on track, as it were, to wherever you might go and succeed there. You know, so so I'm more into understanding than anything else. And then what results from that understanding is this, um, what? This expanded awareness. Well, the greater the sense, the greater one's sense of belonging I would think the happier we are. 
and the the, the smaller think, yeah yeah so the way you describe you describe it in your book you describe consciousness in your book sounds like a, a very wide notion of belonging and being a part of that's beautiful and i i like the way you put that and mm-hmm. That's a very, very good way of describing self-awareness. You, you feel part of something huge, something beautiful. You feel part of the environment. You don't feel like you're just an individual. It's not that individuality goes anywhere. It sticks around, you know. It's pretty sticky stuff. But you do feel connected to or part of, uh, part of nature, part of the environment, part of other people, um, you know, if you're part of your, you know, your community, the world, um, and even the cosmos, ultimately, you feel, yeah, you just feel like, you know, you, you feel like you're the center of it, and of course you're not the center of it, but that's how you feel. You feel like all of this is contributing to your life, and you feel like contributing to that experience, and this is what this unified feeling of love uh, tastes like. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, let's talk about individuality. Uh, a lot of people in the in the Enlightenment communities, to put it very broadly, speak very badly about individuality and all this business about kill the ego and all that. Uh, what do you think of that? What do you feel? I think, you know, just my personal feeling, certainly my personal experiences, that's completely wrong. And, and, and not, well, let me take that back. It's not completely wrong. I mean, I, okay, so people, people who have been, you know, working really hard and they've had a really tough life and then they want to get out of that tough life and maybe they go re- into some retreat and uh, and in that retreat, the retreat, these people or the leaders say, okay, you have to go back into the self, and there's nothing there, and really, there's no path, there's no nothing, and these people feel a great sense of relief because they don't have to struggle anymore. Their their terrible life is over now. They all they their responsibilities go away. That's that certainly has not been my experience. My experience has been that individuality, the physiology, the body, the senses, they're all part of the growth of uh, awareness expanding. How can, and, and, and when I discovered, or when I began to experience sort of an expanded value of the inner self, all the other aspects of my life wanted, they clamored to have the same experience. They didn't retreat. Maybe that was, you know, um, more me than these other people, but but I never went into a state of oneness that excluded anything. I went into a state of oneness that included everything. Everything became inside, not outside. I had one person uh, that I talked to who I'm very close to, you know, this person, this lady actually, she says, Harry, I don't understand what you're talking. You always talk about, you know, 
unity and oneness with and, you know, uh, and that kind of stuff. And this lady looked at me, I don't understand what you're saying. And then her eyes lit up and she said, wait a minute. What I experience is I'm not separate from anything. And this lady that day and, and that everything is inside of her. And, and she's not separate from anything. And she, and she was never the same again. She started being exuberant and happy and lively. So my point is that, you know, everybody has their own understanding. And going into this field of silence, you know, the, these people you're talking about, they want silence. They want complete unbounded silence. Now, in the early days of when I did TM, I went into a period of silence, but it wasn't silent. It wasn't silent. It was quiet, but it wasn't silent. There was stuff going on. There was a reverberation. There was sound. There was there was light. There was a bubbling this and that, and 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 this bubbling value of silence. If you want, you know, the silence was there, underlying it all. But it wasn't all that was there. It wasn't all that was there. There was more than that to it. And, and there were uh, this this quality of uh, silence had a divine quality to it. And I saw the connectedness of this, this silence to its bubbling quality to a celestial realm and how the celestial realm created and was created by this process from the silent level of uh, consciousness to the most so-called gross level of consciousness is what these people would say. I don't look at the relative or my regular life as uh, the gross value of consciousness at all. In some ways, I look at it as the most refined level because um, when consciousness knows itself as the whole range, even knows itself as part and parcel of the environment, part and parcel of nature and what's going on, and family and people, well, it takes the greatest amount of silence and uh, and light and bliss to not be overpowered by that relative life. And when that is no longer overpowering your relative life or your your silent life inside, you realize it's all the same. Uh, they're all layers of the same. They're all lay. They're all fabrics of one experience of consciousness. By one, I don't mean anything disappear. By one, I mean everything is there within sight. Everything is there within hearing. Everything is part of the experience. Not excluding, not excluded from the experience is the experience. Sort of like that. That's been my experience. Would you say that uh, you're a happy joyful, simple hmm. man? You'd have to ask uh, my wife. Yes, indeed. She'll tell you. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Is she um, there with you? She's not here right now, unfortunately. Okay. You know, let me answer that question. None of the practical values of life go away, okay? You know, people wouldn't call me the calmest person in the world. I'm quite excitable. 
my thin skin. You can insult me very easily. Yet, I never lose my sense that I, I know who I am. Ask me a knowledge question, I'll be able to go there and get interested, however bad I'm feeling on the surface. So, how do you answer that? Um, do I get angry? Well, certainly not as much as I might have when I was much younger, but yeah, I can. All the impulses of human existence I have, yet I understand where I am, I'm central to everything, and my consciousness is big enough that even these so-called more challenging experiences or anger or excitement are, are contained within that. There's small aspects of the wholeness of my experience. If that makes any sense to you, that's how I look at it. Okay. Well, we, we're coming to the end of this conversation, and perhaps uh, I will ask you to describe... Uh, what is the experience of bliss? What is the experience of pure love, of love realization? You know, the feeling family, you know, has been structured by nature to bring out the quality of love in the heart. And I guess I feel tremendously blessed that, you know, that I have what would be called a loving family. Now, you could ask my daughters what they think sometimes, you know, we're very, you know, we're almost like an Italian family, you know, <laughs> we're throwing our arms up and we, you know, we eat together every day, you know, we, we have a family business and, I would say we're very harmonious, but with all the accoutrements that every family has. Now, the feeling of love in the heart, there isn't anything. There isn't anything as desirable as that. And it doesn't have to be overt or loud. It's quiet. It's soft. It's subtle. It's pervasive. And because it's so unifying, it can go all over the place. It can go, your family has it first, and then your environment, and it goes on and on, because love is so, so what? Transparently immeasurable. <laughs> that you, once you have the sense of love, it's the same as this, you know, this terrible E word, enlightenment. You could call it, a permanent sense, a permanent experience of love. And I don't know, I still find it a little bit hard to talk about love because it's so personal, it's so intimate, and it's so always there. But, you know, we there are many things we didn't talk about in terms of that. And, you know, the, the intellect too, you know, the mind is very important to the experience of love. And love is very important to the experience of understanding, deep understanding. They're one and the same experience. The fact that I understand that I'm central to and I'm integrated with or unified with my family and environment is also an understanding. It's not just 
a sense of love. It's both together, the one experience. So, sort of like that. Thank you very, very much for being with us today. I'm really grateful for oh, your it's time. Been, it's, been, <laughs> it's been wonderful. And, and I, I'd like to thank you for inviting me to be on in your group and your organization. And I certainly plan to have more to do with you dudes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Thank you.